Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Samp and Chance. I'm your host, Bobby Sampson, joined as always with my man, Mr. Chance Michaels. And down below here, we have Mr. Ryan Carl from the PBC Stable himself. Ryan, thank you very much for, for taking out time of your busy schedule and all the things that you have going on down there in Texas. It's a pleasure and a privilege to have you on, sir. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You know, just staying busy, uh, as always. Fantastic. So, Ryan, let's just uh, get right into it here, man. Um, you know, we we I've done my research a little bit. So, you know, I understand that you started learning how to fight with your dad. Was that for boxing or was it just because you your dad needed you to learn how to fight? What was the story behind that? Okay, so uh, my dad, of course, always taught us how to fight and how, how to defend ourselves. My dad also, he grew up very rough. My mother and my father did. And so they, they taught us how they, what they learned from it, you know, and uh, so it's always best. And so we were always in fights. I especially was always in fights. A uh, little redheaded, freckle-faced little white boy. You know, I was, I was just, you know, look like Opie Taylor. People wanted to try to pick on me. And uh, my dad taught us how to fight. We had a boxing bag in our house and taught me to throw straight punches and taught me to be mean. And uh, not necessarily like a calloused person, but he taught me, uh, you know, how to uh, winning a fight was necessary. There was no rules. Just winning was all that mattered. And um, and so as a kid growing up, I learned that. And then my brother wanted to start boxing. And so uh, my mom actually found a gym, Waco Boxing Club, and took us there. It was about 70 miles one way because we live out in the middle of nowhere, out in the country. We lived in Cameron, Texas at the time. And uh, so she took us, my parents, they took us one way and I, I really loved it and I fell in love with it. I was 11 years old and uh, my brother was, you know, 15, 16 years old and he was more interested, interested in girls and things of that nature, partying and, you know, about, about that age, you know, young teenage mm -hmm. boy. And he didn't really want to train, um, but he could fight. Oh, he could fight. I wish, you know, he would have stayed in it. He was a very good athlete. He could really punch. But, um, and I did. I loved it. And I loved the individualism of the sport. You know, how it was just me out there. Something went wrong. It was me. You know, mm -hmm. uh, well, my work was going to show up. So everything I did was going to come to light, you know. And so uh, I really loved it. And I stuck with it. And my dad, of course, trained me alongside with some other trainers along the way, you know, uh, Starting off at Waco Boxing Club was Gilbert Sanchez and Derek Howard, and then uh, Jaime Lerma, Tony Montoya, all these coaches come through. John, Big John Garcia, and then um, and then we started traveling some with Daryl Sears and the great Kenny Weldon. You know, mm -hmm. I, I learned a ton from Kenny. Kenny was a uh, he was a turning point in my career, and uh, my dad trained me alongside with all these other people and took me all over. You know, I have nobody to to my parents are the only people that deserve the credit for anything for me, you know, because without them, I, I still, I never would have done anything, you know, only by the grace of God, I had parents that would take me everywhere and spent that kind of time with me. And uh, from then on, you know, with Ronnie Shields and of course, Casey Ramos and all these pros, I was sparring as a 16 year old, mm -hmm. um, Danny O'Connor and these guys like this up there with Ronnie and his gym and Ricardo Williams, Slick Rick and getting through to all these guys. And, and it just kind of manifested from there. That's awesome, man. So not in a particular fight or, or a particular boxer that kind of got you into it. It was it was your dad and just just growing up. Yeah, we loved boxing as kids anyway. So we like my dad did watch boxing. And, you know, one of my favorites, of course, uh, one of my first favorite fighters that I always liked. And we liked all the fighters, right? Uh, all the guys back then. But one of my favorite fighters as a kid was always Ricky Hatton. And uh, because of the way he fought, 
in in the heart he showed, yeah. right? I, uh, big Kalzaki fans. Uh, my dad was. Uh, I was a big Jermaine Taylor fan as a kid. Yeah. Uh, my dad really liked Kelly Pavlik, and it broke my heart when Kelly knocked him out. But uh, you know, it was a uh, didn't really break my heart. But I was sad. I, I had I had that bet with my dad, and yeah, yeah. Uh, and Kelly. Boy, I'm a huge Kelly Pavlik fan. Of course, after that, I was already you know, and my dad was a big Hopkins fan. We liked a lot of these fighters, but the more of the kind of fighters I liked were the uh, Ricky Hatton and Arturo Gaddis. The kind of fighters like that, I wasn't really as attracted to the Mayweather style, and I guess that was just because of uh, my nature, uh, my attitude, my personality. Mm-hmm. Um, I I kind of saw that heart, that toughness, that grit, and I just mm-hmm. like uh, I longed for it. You know, I used to tell my mom, "I can't wait to be in a hard fight. Oh, I can't wow. wait to be in a blood and guts fight." And my mom was like, "You don't want that, Ryan. We don't want you to get in a blood and guts fight. Like I can't wait to get in a fight like that." And then when you're in it. My dad or coaches would tell you, well, you think you want it to get in it. And then when I get in it, it's like it was an addiction. You know, it was like I loved it. So it's either going to go one way or the other for you, you know. And I loved it. I, lo- I love the experience and the uh, just the whole thing of it. That's Ryan, awesome. I noticed your fighting style. You're always coming forward. And the more you get hit, the more you turn it up and turn it on. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, that's a fair assessment. That's probably my biggest flaw and also one of my great qualities. It's kind of mixed in there is I like to fight too much. I can box actually really well. And uh, I learned that through Kenny and boxing and things like that and, and being able to read all these things and do all these things. And I just get so into it at times. It's like, I love it. I just, I just love that rough and tough as, uh, as Gennady Golovkin would call it uh, Mexican style. You know, that's I, I, just what I like. I like that uh, personal. Um, I want to see that toughness. I remember in fights, watching these guys in fights. I remember I was fighting uh, Quezada. I was like 12 and 0. He's 11 and 0. And we're fighting, and I can see it in his face. I'm hitting him hard, and I can. It's kind of a tougher fight, and he's getting he's getting hit with some hard punches. And I remember seeing the quit on his face before he quit. I could see it in his face and said he's done. You know, I was like, he he. This is hurting him. I can see the pain on his face, and not not to take anything away from him because he didn't quit. You know, I I just I could see that he didn't want to be there anymore. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I remember that, and it's just like it's a just a that feeling you get of that of, of making somebody um want to quit or that feeling of uh of that achievement is is great there's nothing um it's just something to it and that blood and guts type of fight and even when you lose right so the thing about fighting that style is whenever you do lose everybody still loves you you're a fan because, favorite for that reason that's yeah. right so yeah. like when i fought in san antonio and i lost to barrios you know i got that head button i was totally jacked and i couldn't see and i went i, I couldn't see anything out of my right eye at all it was all nothing but red because the blood was in my eye. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I could see kind of some out of my left eye, but I was pretty – I was dazed really hard from the head, but – and uh, what are my options? You know, uh, I'm here to fight. And so uh, I go forward and I'm throwing big right hands hard as I can. And after the fight, guess what? Everybody's screaming for me as I'm walking away. Yeah. Everybody's on their feet hollering for me. And I'm walking out of, the, out of the ring, out of the arena with my hands up. It's the first fight post-COVID, you know. Uh, the first fight with fans and I'm like, you know, just hollering for them and stuff. And they're all coming down, shaking hands. Everybody's trying to buy you a beer. And it's like, everybody loves you. And it's that feeling of, uh, that, that's unmatched. I've never experienced that in anything else in my life. It's a gladiator feeling. Mm-hmm. I, I've been a gladiator and it's, uh, and I love it. It makes you, that's why people will fight to the death is yeah. because of that feeling. You just, mm-hmm. it's just like, you just, it's an addiction. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I spent, the better part of last night watching a bunch of your fights again um and i tell you what man they're they're all exciting again your style the way it is it's just it's 
styles make fights, right? And um, sure. you definitely, definitely entertained me for the most of my evening last night. That was just phenomenal to watch. So it, again, to having you here talking about it, it's awesome. But here, I want to touch on something really interesting here. On, on Sap and Chance, we kind of do things a little differently. We, we kind of indulge more in psychology and, and try to talk about things that other guys won't bring up. So one thing I want to talk about here is your original nickname, the Raging Caucasian. Yeah. Now, the reason I bring that up, I, I mentioned this is because when I look at boxing as a whole, yes, there's a lot of Caucasian boxers that come out of Europe and what have you. But if you look at North America, it's very sparse and it's always been very sparse. Why, in your opinion, as a boxer, outside of yourself and Caleb Plant, you know, like those are the only two names that I can think of off the top of my head. And we eat, sleep, breathe boxing just as you do to a certain extent. And, you know, it's like, why aren't there more white guys in boxing in North America side, do you feel? Well, I think a lot of it is the way people grow up, the way they're raised. And a lot of it is their parenting. And, uh, you know, and uh, just in a census of things is you're going to get most people that are Caucasian. They're going to tell the kids not to fight and the fighting is wrong and you should never do this. And, and that's why bullying is to the extent it is right. and that you shouldn't do these things. And, and uh, I was raised total opposite. Most of my parents were, were raised extremely rough. My mother um, raised by her uh, in, in a, in a really hard situation. My father as well um, from, from the, from the ground up kind of, kind of yeah. lives, you know, something I'll never have to experience because they did and they accomplished and they, they fought through it. Right. And um he taught me how to be hard like that, you know, I, as a child, not necessarily how to be hard, but he taught me how to prepare for that kind of life. If I had to live it, if I fell on those kind of times, I would know how to survive <laughs> and uh, how to be mean enough and how to have that grit and determination. And a lot of it's just natural. <laughs> and I'm a very, uh, like, I'm a, I, I want to be first. Like I can't even practice. I can't even train back when I was training at the Plex with all these different fighters. I couldn't even uh, work out without trying to beat them in our workout. <laughs> I was going to be first. It's just right. how it was. I was going to be first or I was going to die in this workout trying. And if you beat me, then that's great because, you know what, next time you're not, you know, you better enjoy your moment. And uh, I kind of had that mentality. And I think the issue with most people in America is all about football. And so yep. you've got a lot of guys that are, could be really good athletes. They want to go to football or basketball because they view boxing as a fight and as mean and as dangerous, where boxing isn't half as dangerous as football. And they don't realize that. And they don't want to because it's the whole ideal of fighting. And, oh, my gosh, it's so crazy. You're fighting. Don't yeah. you? Aren't you scared? Aren't you worried? I'm like, I've never been hurt in boxing. You know, I've no. been hurt worse in, in football as a child. You know, I'm, I remember getting knocked out on the football field in high school. You know, mm -hmm. well, I don't really remember it that well. But I got knocked yeah. out on the field in football. And uh, I was like, what? Well, I had a pretty good con concussion. And they just put me right back in. They don't care. And, uh, you know, and then they then they joke about it, you know, it's a, uh, but boxing is uh much safer than most of those other sports. And so they never put their kids in them because of the ideal of a fight and everybody demonizes enough, the fight. Yeah. Yeah. No, ironically enough, you find a lot of them, you know, a lot of kids going into MMA and to like martial arts and things like that, yeah, it's which crazy. is just, which is just as the same. But it's I when mean, they're probably, older. Yeah, it's when yeah. they're older. And the thing is, is you can't go into boxing most times when you're 18, 19 years old because your skills pay the bills. And whenever you're going to get in there with somebody and you're, you're so far behind, now you're at an age where you might get knocked out. You know, you're, at a, you're a grown man instead of starting boxing when you're younger, developing these skills and someone taking you slow. Most times you're going to go in there and you're going to see 
MMA is a little bit different. You can get choked out, wrestled out, but it's not this. It's not. It's just not the same. It's just not boxing, yeah. and yeah. Um, they're just different sports. Not to knock MMA, you know, because yeah. I don't do it, you know, but it's just different sports, and uh, it's the whole thing. They can't go into boxing, and boxing looks boring to people. To the average person, they think yeah. it's boring, but it skills pay the bills, and it's such a it's it's such a high class, you know. MMA is checkers, and boxing is chess. Yeah, and so it's kind of how you want to look at it. No, hundred percent, absolutely. Um, what what are your biggest challenges when when you're in a training camp for yourself personally? Is it the weight? Is it the actual training? The mindset? What what do you find that you need to have in order? Uh, your your the biggest part for your training camp. The biggest thing mentally, uh, or biggest thing in a in a training camp is always going to be mentally. Yeah. It's your mind. Everything comes from your mind, your diet, you're making your weight. Everything is your mind. It's all on what you want to put your mind to and being honest with yourself and open about it to yourself and examining yourself. And most fighters can't do that. And that's why they never can make it. And um, the ones that do make it are very honest about where they're at in their life. They're honest about what they're doing They're um, They realize when they're falling short without somebody having to tell them, you mm -hmm. know, they work out because not because they want to do it, but because they have to do it. It's not a, they don't work out off of motivation. You know, motivation is is great when you have it, but there's lots of times when you don't have that motivation. Mm -hmm. You know, you've had a hard day. You're tired. You don't want to do it today. Yeah. You have to have the determination to do it's, things even when you don't want to. It's kind of like Hagler said, it's hard to wake up when you're sleeping in silk pajamas. That's right. Is that The better you get, you know, so like them, so you're getting at this certain point of your life, it's like you don't really want it anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. And when you don't really want it anymore, you're in a bad spot. You need to get out or you're going to get hurt. Absolutely. So, Ryan, um, how much does faith, your faith play a part in your training? Well, so, you know, one of my quotes that I like the best is from Mike Tyson. He's talking about whenever I would, whenever a fight would get made, I was scared to death. He said, but every day that got closer, I got, I felt better and better. Every day of training, I felt better and better. And by the time I made it to the ring, I was invincible. Because of the faith you have in that sparring, those all those times you do that, right? So whenever you don't know how prepared you're going to be, in the beginning of camp when you make a fight, I've never been scared, but it's like, uh, man, I hope I'm good enough. You know, I hope I'll be okay. You know, not not that you're scared, not that like okay like that, but you hope you'll be um, at the level, right? I hope I, you know, I'll be at that level. I got to train so I can get that level. But once you get to that level and you're sparring six, eight, 10, 12, 14 rounds, you're not worried about nothing. Because once you get past, the only thing anybody should ever be scared of is getting tired. Mm -hmm. That's it. Only thing any fighter should ever be scared of is getting tired. And you have to work out so you'll never be that way. Because once you're tired, that's when you get hurt. Because you can't protect yourself. You can't do anything. You can see things. Can't do nothing about it. You're just a waste. And so um, you're going to get injured. And uh, But it is really your faith is such a huge rule. Like, Every day you get stronger mentally as you get stronger physically. And they both work together. Now, if you're not training right, your faith isn't going to be there. Your mind's not going to be right because you're not, you know, you, you know, when you're doing it right. You don't, you don't have fighters show up to fights and think that they're the best they've ever been. And then they fight, you know, and they look like total crap and they're fat and out of shape. And they're like way worse than they've ever been. And they, they can't lie to you and say that, oh, I felt, you know, great going to that fight. No, they didn't. They're probably scared to death. Yeah. Because they knew they were probably going to get tired. And right, anybody right. That's, that's ever fought knows that getting tired is the way to get hurt. You can't do anything. That's how you, that's how you get jacked up. 
Yeah, I kind of kind of saw that this past weekend with the Alicia Baumgartner fight. Like, I mean, she was dominant, then she took rounds off. Um, conditioning, do you think? Did you catch that fight? Yeah, a lot of it's going to be conditioning, yeah. I mean, of course, it, it comes down to conditioning, and then a lot of it is not just conditioning, but conditioning of the mind, being in that situation, at the performance level. A lot of people um, can do great at it at certain times, but if their life is a little bit out of line, they've got some kind of stresses in their life, they're kind of um, stressing too much, and that's going to take a lot out of them. And then you put them under the lights, right? you know, in this big fight. it You know, I've seen people get tired in two rounds, and I've seen spar great for 15, you know, in great shape. They just can't do it under the pressure that day. Yeah, they yeah. could have done it before under the pressure, done great, you know. It's not something that's like, well, you do it once, you'll always be able to do it good. It, it doesn't work that way. Fair enough. Uh, sacrifice. Let's talk about that. I mean, we know the amount of sacrifice that you guys make to entertain us and, and to put on the show that you guys do. Uh, you started early on. I mean, how much did you miss? How much did you have to sacrifice to get to where you are today? Uh, well, I lost a lot of time. That's what I sacrificed. I sacrificed right. time, people and things right. and, uh, my relationships and things like that. Um, Really, the question is, is when you're going to you say to a guy, say, hey, you're going to turn pro. You want to be a pro boxer. OK, what do you want to do in boxing? You want to be a world champion? Yeah. OK, you want to be a world champion. Are you prepared to sacrifice your family? Are you prepared to sacrifice your relationships with everybody? Because boxing has to come first. Right. And if it doesn't come first, you cannot be successful. It's simple as that. You you're never going to make you're never going to make it and you're going to get hurt and yeah. you're going to fall short somewhere and you're going to regret yourself later on. So you have to know that going into it, you know, as long as you're honest with yourself, you're okay. And so you said, I sacrificed, uh, I sacrificed a lot, but then, you know, I was I actually cut going away for camp and stuff like that. Cause my son was getting older and, you know, I have four kids going on five. And so I've got a whole bus load now. And uh, I say, you know, I, I can't, I just can't do it. I'm not going to sacrifice my son for boxing. And so I stopped doing those things. I stopped going away for camp and I started doing other things. And little by little, here I am. Yes. All right. So Ryan, out of all the different arenas and buildings you fought in, do you have a particular favorite building or arena that you've competed in? My favorite place I've ever fought at uh, wasn't the venue. It wasn't anything special. It wasn't no light show. It was uh, my debut. I fought in front, in front of the troops at Fort Bliss in El Paso, Texas. And I mean, you talk about fans. And I can even look back on all my fans through all of my fights, and you talk about the best fans I've ever had or the troops. Screaming, crazy loud, hollering. I mean, this was just a high school gymnasium-sized building I was in. Mm -hmm. And it was packed with troops, and they were just going nuts, and it was just awesome. After the fight was over, I was a, I was a swing bout. And I got on, so I fought on TV, and you had – um, who was it? Uh, I can't remember his name. Main event was fighting and the whole time he's fighting you can hear the fans going crazy if you go back and watch the video and it's me running into the into the stands with them and taking pictures with all of them i'm talking about for like 45 minutes after his fight was over the main event was over i was still doing it with all these all these troops and all this stuff and it was awesome you couldn't beat it and then my next best one would of course be las vegas at the uh michelob ultra arena cool. i loved it i loved it there it was, it was great great arena great people uh fans were awesome in Vegas they're really they're they're fight fans you know oh, yeah awesome awesome uh Ryan your last fight was pretty much a year ago now uh, a few days yeah. past uh October February the 5th 2022 um 
I'm kind of, I'm pretty sure where this question will lead, but what's next for you? Where, where are you going now? What, what's, what's Ryan Carl up to? Well, I'm uh, going to retire. Yeah. I'm going to retire. And so I've done that and uh, I love boxing uh, more than anything, you know, uh, besides God. And that's kind of why I'm retiring. I'm going to retire and go into ministry. And because awesome. uh, I feel called to, uh, I feel like that's, I have to obey. And um, it's a hard thing to do because I don't really, I didn't want to, you know, uh, I didn't retire because I was slow. I didn't retire because I was uh, coming off, you know, I just wasn't able to compete and things like that. I'm retiring because I felt called and it was hard because I was running, you know, I was scheduled to fight on the 11th, February 11th. Yeah, uh, the Ray Vargas card, right? Yeah, and so I was scheduled to fight then, and and, uh, I'm in camp, and I'm feeling, I was feeling really convicted, and I was really, in my relationship with God was changing and changing and changing, and uh, I just felt really convicted and called, and so I had just got done running, you know, I'm running six-minute miles, you know, I'm just just Mm -hmm. easing them out, you know, I'm in great shape, I'm not slowing down any, and I felt convicted, so I had to, and so that's what I've done with my life, and uh the fact is it felt like retiring from boxing felt like a death. And the only way to um, give a good example of that is when my little sister died when I was about 16. It's the only time I ever felt like that. And so uh, it's, it's pretty extreme, you know, uh, the feeling it was to actually retire. It was heartbreaking for me, um, but it felt like it's what I had to do. And it's not, you know, it's kind of, it's a weird thing to say, but say that you didn't really want to, but I wanted to obey and I wanted to obey God more than I wanted my own flesh to get its obedience. And so, um, you know, that's, that's where I'm at with that. And it's uh, been a journey so far. Well, Ryan, I mean, did you grow up in a religious family or how did you come to Christ? Well, so, you know, my family, none of us knew Jesus. None of us knew that. I was, I was a child. My dad had a liver transplant back in 1997 and prior to that, my dad, none of my family was religious at all or any kind of, I think my dad had been in a church one time his whole life. And um, we had a guy come out and uh, we were in a bad situation. There was what, four kids, two parents, there were six of us living in a two bedroom trailer house and uh, our water was leaking. It was about to get cut off and we had a guy come out to cut our water off. And instead of cutting our water off, he fixed our pipe and invited us to church. Totally wow. crazy, right? And yeah. so... uh it was it was just powerful because he obeyed right then now this is where i'm at right so it's crazy so we end up all going to church and getting saved my father first all the way down to me i'm the youngest and so all of us go and get saved right and we're all kind of going in through this uh and i i get saved as eight year as as an eight-year-old and i understood the spirit of god and things like that right but i had never uh i guess i'd never read the bible for myself for one and i never understood true sacrifice to really give everything to god right to give your life to god and that meant um giving up the things that made you feel glorified like fighting in front of thousands of people and uh for me anyways in my situation and uh obeying whenever it's probably i expected people to tell me i was stupid when i retired and so then i uh you know i kind of came back into christ i kind of had you know rocky road right rocky road kind of i was i would say i was a christian i was out doing all kinds of stupid stuff and acting like a fool and uh, until I started reading my Bible, open my Bible and I started reading my Bible. And all of a sudden, my life is like a flash. Like, it's like, I call it, I was like washed by the spirits, what I say. And it was like a total change, just just like that. 
I'm cussing all the time instantly, almost completely stops. Right. And I'm not to say that I never fall short or anything like that now. Cause yep. I do I'm raw centers. And so, um, but it's like total life change. And it's like, all of a sudden I can't read enough of my Bible, you know? So I go from that ever from graduating high school in 2010, reading one book by the time May of 2022, you know, that's, that's 12 years. I've read one book outside of school. And now I've read through the New Testament, you know, three, four times. And I'm reading like I'll read like uh, 55 chapters or 69 chapters of Isaiah one one morning just because I want to. I have to read this Bible. Yeah. And it's uh, it's like it's it's the actual living word. And it's it's insane when you start to read it. It's uh, you can't like you can't put it down. At first I started reading. It, I was like, I got to read a couple chapters. This pastor over here, Jason Lasher. Uh, he bought me a Bible and I said, like, I got to read some of it. I'm going to Bible study. I got to read some of it. He bought me a Bible. You know, I'm like, you yeah. got to read some of it, you know? And, uh, and all of a sudden it's just like, I'm just going to wear this sucker out. You know, it's like, I just like, you can't get enough of it. And so it's insane. And, and it's like, I felt this conviction and, and this conviction and uh, talk to everybody about it. And of course, and things like that. And I decided to retire on a Saturday and I, I come home and I'm at my house. I'm talking to my dad and I'm crying. Cause it's, it was real emotional for me. Like right. I said, it was like a death Yeah. and I'm talking about it. And, and uh, I'm talking about retiring. My dad gives me a hug, tells me he's proud of me. You know, that's, he said, whatever you want to do, I'll support you no matter what, Ryan, you know that. And so it's funny because my dad's, you know, easiest person to talk to, easiest person for me to tell. Cause we're like, he's like close as can be. And, uh, and so the next day the pastor calls me and he says, Hey Ryan, I need to tell you, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm stepping down from this church here and I'm going to another church in uh, West Texas. I feel called to go out there. That's just, I just, I feel led to go out there. And I also feel led that you're going to be the next pastor or you're going to be a pastor. And, uh, you know, I don't know about your boxing situation and stuff like this. And I didn't tell him I had just retired. I hadn't told anybody. And so I'm kind of like, I just retired to, to pursue ministry. You know, I made that decision and uh, didn't just make the decision, but I actually acted on it, you know, so it was done. And uh, and he tells me, he says, I think you're going to be the next pastor or I think you're going to be a pastor. You know, I, I want to tell the deacons that, you know, they should talk to you about it and preaching and they should allow you some time to preach. And I, and I didn't tell him I was really weirded out, <laughs> to be honest with you. It was really odd because of the way it happened. And so uh, the next the next that night or whatever, the deacons call me and they're talking to me and my one of my best friends, uh, he's a deacon. He calls me and he's uh, from high school and he calls me and he's telling me, he says, Ryan, you know, I, I want to know if this is something you really want to do. And I'm like, yeah, Matt, uh, actually, I just retired yesterday because he's like, he knows I'm training for a fight. I said, I just yeah. retired yesterday to pursue boxing. And I didn't tell Jason. And that's what I thought. I said, I didn't tell anybody this. So this is really weird for me. You know, this is exactly what I want to do, though. This is crazy and uh, real emotional for me. And he's like, man, I guess that's your sign. You know, it's kind of a, kind of your sign. I'm like, I guess I don't really know. This is weird. And so fast forward, I've already preached my first sermon and nobody wanted to fight me afterwards. And uh, I had a few friends that had cameras ready, you know, just in case to get it one last fight in and uh, make some money off of it, sell it on eBay. But um, mm. nobody, you know, it was uh, it's just crazy. My life is completely changing. I'm actually sitting in the office of the Gauls Baptist Church right now. And oh, I've wow. already I've already written my sermon and I'm actually going to preach this Sunday. Yeah. And uh, one thing I, told him, I said, I'm not scared. You know, I'm not scared to fail. I'm not scared to try and fail. You know, I feel led to do this. And if I get up there in the, in the pulpit and I say something or if I if I get in a spot and I can't remember what I was doing, I said, that's OK. I'm not scared of it. You know, I, wh why would I be scared to get up here and talk in front of people that uh about these things? I feel convicted to do this. 
um, failure is the only way to succeed. You know, I, I yep. have to fail to succeed. Yep. And I understand that. And so that, that's the thing that most people that are never successful mm-hmm. never understand because they're scared to try. And they don't realize just by trying, they're going to succeed, even no matter if they fail or not. Just like those fights, whenever I give it all I got with Mario or with Omar Warriors, and I walk out of the ring, and even though I lost the fight, um, everybody loves me. Oh, yeah. Because really, I, because really, I didn't fail. You know, yeah. you only fail if you quit or you cut yourself short. Now, I didn't walk out of those fights thinking I could have done more, you know. When I walked out of Omar, Omar Warriors fight, I wasn't in very, I wasn't in the best shape in that fight because uh, my camp wasn't the best. Um, just because of things we had going on and, uh, but I had my toughness and I was in great shape. My weight was bad. I had trouble making weight. My weight wasn't that bad, but I tried to make weight a little bit different, which was stupid. And so I had to make weight even the day of the fight. So I made weight the first day and then I had to make weight again the day of the fight about five hours before I fought. And so I was so jacked up from that, but I didn't make excuses about it. I just went out there. And I had the heart, you know, I was, right, one right. thing I've got, I've got heart and you're going to, you're going to see it, you know, you, you're you going to know, you're going to, you, you might beat me, but you're going to know you were in a fight. Oh, 100%. And, uh, although I felt like I won that fight, I, I never felt bad about it, you know, even yeah. though I didn't get the decision, it never bothered me because I gave it all I had. But if I would have cut myself short and I wouldn't have gave it all I had, I would have hated myself. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of like this with ministry. If I wouldn't pursue it and I would just push it back and push it back and push it back. I would hate myself for it because I didn't pursue something I, that I felt called to do. And that in all reality, this is what I want to do, you know? Right, right, right. Uh, if I may, uh, was it a certain passage? What, what what was the turning point? What what gave you that epiphany to, to this is the path? Like what, if it's okay to share with us, if you're willing oh, to? No, of course. So uh, I remember when I first started coming to Bible study over here, I was real into, um, I like the hellfire kind of damnation, the real hard kind of preaching and stuff like that, because that's how I felt about myself, because I felt really convicted about things, you know, and I like to meet things head on. I'm a real, I'm all about truth. You know, you, you just be honest with me and uh, we'll get along. You know, I don't care if, if it's going to hurt my feelings. Maybe I need my feelings hurt. You know, I just need the truth. Yeah. That's it. You know, I don't care. Just tell me the truth. Don't lie to me. And so I was kind of on that real harsh kind of a line there, kind of a, a real heavy Old Testament kind of line I was on. And I remember Jason saying, uh, talking about how much God loves us and Jesus loves us. And I said, I don't want to hear about all that love. I want to hear about what I deserve. I want to, you know, because I know I deserve hell. And uh, he told me, he says, Jesus has forgiven you. Why can't you forgive yourself? And it didn't hit me like you wanted it to in that moment. But later when I was thinking about it, I said, Ryan, you're, you're telling Jesus up there on that cross. Hey, Jesus, I know you did a great job. And what you did was enough for everybody in this world. Just not enough for me, you know. I'm telling Jesus he didn't he didn't do enough for me. He, but did I, I acknowledge he did everything for everybody else, but I'm over here living in condemnation. And so I understood that and I started to understand the love of it. And that's whenever my whole life changed. But as far as just uh, making this change, we were doing a um a Bible study in our church about experiencing God. The experiencing God with the I think Henry Blackaby. Mm-hmm. And uh the Blackabees, they were up there in Canada, I believe. But um He's talking and all this stuff, and I'm, I'm talking about prayer and remembering your prayers and praying these prayers. And I remember I, I was uh, feeling convicted about, I feel like I should go into ministry. I just felt really strongly about it. I remember I was at my dad's house, and it was, it was late at night. Everybody's asleep. And I get down on my face in the kitchen, get down on my knees and on my face, and I'm praying. And I pray out loud, of course, because um, I can hear myself, and it's much more convicting. And I'm praying, and I, I'm asking God. I say, you know, God, I don't ever ask for any signs. You know, I don't ask for things or anything else. You know, I'm, I'm a... 
we had just sold our house, so I was living at my dad's, and uh, while we were, we were planning on building a house, but that's all changed as well, and um, and so I'm I'm down on my face and I'm praying, and I said, God, you know, can you give me a sign? I said, I hate to ask for a sign because I've always felt like that was wrong, but can you do something? I said, God, I'm like a, I'm like a dumb kid in high school. I I'm not gonna just like get it, you know, like a like a boy, like a girl likes me, and I'm not gonna understand it. I'm not gonna catch on. I need you just to just to slap me in the face with it. Just be plain with me and just give me a dream. Yeah. And uh, the reason I asked for a dream is because I've never had good dreams my entire life. Only dream I've ever had were nightmares from a child up was my whole family dying. Only dream I've ever had is my family being murdered. It's crazy, right? And uh, so I asked her, I said, God, give me a dream. Because I know if I get a dream, it's got to be real, you know, because this is the kind of dreams I've always had. Mm-hmm. And uh, I go lay down in the bed with my son because he was sick. My He was seven at the time and he he was sick and so i'm go lay down in the bed with him actually no, this is this he's eight and i'm laying in the bed with him and i'm I'm trying to meditate trying to think about what i was just praying and try to listen to god that's what i've always heard is to meditate and listen to god you know and as i'm laying there it felt like i had a vision all night long it never felt like i ever went to sleep it was the weirdest thing in the world but i know i wasn't asleep um but i was preaching and in a church over here, Cameron First Baptist Church, a church that I had been in maybe twice my whole life. And I was preaching at it. And uh, and I could see people's faces. And some of the faces, I didn't even know the people I'm looking at, you know. And some of them I did. And it was, uh, and I remember that morning I got up, I was like so freaked out because this is exactly what I just asked for. And how, I mean, that's so, so wild to me. And I get up, I ask my wife about it. And I ask my, my, uh, my, I talked to my preacher about it and I'm talking to people about it and I go spar that evening and that night after sparring I go to a restaurant with my mom and dad and I'm sitting and I'm talking to her and I'm like almost like I'm freaked out right because I love boxing and I'm like terrified I'm going to have to give up boxing at this time and uh, so I haven't reached that obedience level and so I'm uh, sitting there I'm talking to my mom about it and talking about these things and she's talking about how the how God has worked in her life and stuff so much about things I don't even remember as a child how our life was so different and so changed and uh, she's like I can feel the Holy Spirit you know right now when we're talking and we can I know what the Holy Spirit feels like and you know in all these situations and because as a matter of fact I can feel it right now speaking to you so it was it was you know different for me there so I felt this conviction and then I go that night or the next night back to Bible study. And sure enough, the Blackabees give a message about whenever you hear from God, when you hear your message from God or what you're supposed to do, don't ask everybody about it and try to figure everything out like that. You're supposed to just obey. Mm. I'm like, well, hey, Nick, how, how are you reading my mind here? Is this, is this some kind of scheme or something? You know, that's what I'm thinking, right? Right, this right, right. Crazy. I'm sitting yeah. here. It's like I'm sitting here. I've got this book and I just set it down. I just set my book down. I'm like, what in the world is going on? Right. It's wow. just so crazy. And I hadn't even told anybody else about this except for my wife and the pastor and my parents. And yeah. so I'm like, okay. And so this, this is about three weeks before I actually made the decision. And I'm training and I'm training. And it's like I'm, you know, I'm having some trouble in camp training. But I'm, I'm, I, I literally, the day I retired, I was going to spoil that morning, but I didn't because of all these, you know, because I retired. And, um, but I had just sparred like nine, 10 rounds. You know, I felt great doing it. I sparred three different guys. I'm feeling great doing it. And it's like, Ryan, you have to obey. And and I had a Mikado Henson from he's a chaplain at Texas AM University, I think for the sports and stuff. He told me, he said, Ryan, and this is after I had already told him what I did, right? After I had already done what I did, then I tried to, then I called and talked to him about what I did because I was like, this is crazy. I need, you know, some guidance. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, 
his mentor always told him slow obey is no obey. You know, you got to obey, you know, and so that's, I felt like I had to obey. And so that's what I did. And it was just like, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's my story on it. And it's, it's crazy. It's so crazy to me how it worked out. And it's like looking at myself um, over this past year has been insane. My growth as far as in, in my, uh, seeking my want to in the, in the Bible. I mean, I just taught a, I just did youth. That's why I told you I had to be done at this time because I had to do youth. And so I just yeah. walked over here my, and they're all over there, you know, they're all finishing up. And so, um, it's just insane. You know, it's just, my life is, uh, it's, it, it's insane. It's, it's, uh, this being in this relationship with God is, uh, or with Jesus, you know, is, um, there's nothing like it. There's no drug. There's no anything like it. You know, I could stand in front of, um thousands of people screaming for you screaming your name the feeling of being glorified but just that feeling of submission and that feeling of um just just a spirit just that feeling of it you can't there's nothing like it i, I can I see you. the joy in your face when we talk about it the genuine it's love and the joy. yeah it's your eyes the i can't help thank you so much for sharing that i i hope our listeners can get something from that i i feel yeah, something you know yeah that's great i feel yeah. energy I yeah, feel energy, brother. I can't help it. It's like uh, I go places and and used to I would go meet people or go do something and they would be like I would just talk to them and I would leave and now I come back and I'm like uh hey baby I bet you can't guess what what I was talking to that guy about she's like Jesus I bet huh and I'm like yeah how'd you know like it's so crazy to me but I was never I, I was I would talk to anybody about anything I was never a shy person but I wasn't I've never been like this it's yeah. never happened. Uh, you know, I've I've had moments where I would come back from church camp and I would try to read my Bible and it would never kind of I would just kind of dwindle off into being a kid and uh, acting a fool all those times. And, and it's like this isn't this isn't just a feeling that I'm going off of now. It's like it's, it's a, not only that, it's a decision I've made in my life that and I remember I prayed a prayer actually about a week before um, I retired, about maybe two weeks. And I prayed this prayer. And I didn't want to, at first, when I, when I first read about praying it, about talking about how you should, you know, do these things, I remember thinking, I don't want to pray that prayer because you know, I've already had that dream. I know prayer is powerful. Like if I, <laughs> I prayed, it might happen, you know, look at me right now. And, uh, and I was like, but Ryan, you have to. And I prayed the prayer that I would do whatever God led me to do. I would obey no matter what, no matter what in my life, I would obey. And man, I wasn't ready for it. And uh, it was heartbreaking in the beginning, but now it is so joyful. It was uh, the decision turning from my flesh and what my flesh wanted. Oh man, it's it, it was hard. You know, it's not supposed to be easy. If it's easy, it's not. It's not. You know, if it's easy, you're of the world. You're still going the wrong way. You know, right. you're still doing the wrong thing. If it's hard, you know, you're on the right path. And boy, it was hard. So I got to be on the right path somewhere. Well, I guess we're all on the right path to all of us here. Um... Ryan, just a quick question here, just to go back to boxing a little bit here, if we can. Uh, boxing today, now that you're out of it and you're kind of looking at it more from a spectator's point of view outside of the realm, what 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 is your opinion on the current state of boxing as we see it today? Well, it's it's different. You know, it's just different than it used to be. Um, as far as looking back even further when I was a kid and then before then, it's just it's just boxing has evolved. It's just changed and it's going to with the times, you know, with everything changing the way they are. Um, 
I think the state of boxing is fine. Actually, I think it's going to get better, but I don't think it's going to get better in the sense of better fighters. I think it's going to get better as in a bigger uh, household kind of a football style sport again. I think you're going to have this gladiator sport come back, but I think first, before you can have that, you're going to have all these big YouTube type fights like we're having right now and things like that. And you're going to get all these different things like that. And you're going to have a bunch of that right now in the social media phase, but it's going to phase out from that back to Mickey Ward Gaddy style fights because that's where it's going to end up next. I, I fully believe that because I think we've kind of gone through everything and I think that that's where it has to go next. And uh, it's kind of, you know, boxing was the biggest and I think it's about to be, it's on its way to be right back to being the biggest. I mean, boxing is, is yes. in more headlines now than it's ever been. And it's uh, such a big deal. And I think I, that's, I think boxing is in a good state. I think it's a much more, it's, it's a much different state, you know, than, than it was. It's not just by being a good fighter. You don't get to go to places just because you're a good fighter. You can you can do whatever you want. You can get up there. You can't be a Mike Tyson getting up there and walking into the ring with a little white towel on and some shorts and some boxing shoes and no socks and go up there and knock everybody out and think you're going to get the love that he got because you're not. Because that was a different. That was a that was a different era. That was a, an era of uh, blood and guts, men fighting men type of thing, right? This is like all about pride and and uh, you're the baddest man in the planet kind of time. This is not that anymore. This is now we're in an era of, of talking and, and speaking and people want to talk about things more than they want to do things. And so they want to see people do the same. And so it's all about building a fight. Back then, you didn't have to build a Mike Tyson fight. Everybody's right. going to show up to you. And I think that it's going to evolve into that, and it's going to come back to it again. Speaking, Who of are some of the current fighters that you enjoy watching now? Kind of the same fighters. You know, Caleb Plant's a good friend of mine, and, and I love Caleb, and uh, I love his fights, not just because he's a friend of mine. The kid, the guy can fight. You know, Caleb yeah. can fight. And then he had that big knockout, and I – and I, I, I like, I like, you know, I like the Durrells. I've always gotten along really well with them, so I don't want to talk bad about them at all in any way. But Caleb, he just uh, showcased that fight, especially after the Canelo fight, having that fight, and then going into the Benavides fight. And I believe he's going to be Benavides. And I don't have, you know, and you can say maybe it's because I'm partial, but I don't believe it is. I just think styles make fights, and I think that he's got the right kind of style for Benavides. Are, are you going to go to the fight and watch it live, or are you going to stay in Texas and watch it? I, I want to. I want to go to the fight. I want to. Now, the fact that I will, um, I can't guarantee it, but I want to try to. I'm actually, I, I think I might go to the fight this weekend also, the fight that I was actually going to fight on. I'm wanting to go to that one um, as well. And so, uh, but, you know, I like big fan of Plant, big, big fan of all these different guys. Like, uh, you know, you got the 140s. A lot of these guys that I know, I'm always big fans of, right? So, like the Charlos, I know them. I'm a big fan of Jamel. Uh, you know, Jamal as well. He hadn't fought in a while. He's, he's, I don't know what's going on there. You know, I hope nothing but the best for him. But Jamal, uh, what he has accomplished, I'm so happy for him. So proud of him for what he's accomplished. And I tell you what, a lot of people say a lot of stuff about Tyson Fury, good and bad. He's entertaining. Oh, yeah. And he, he's just quite entertaining. And uh, on the vice versa side of that, Deontay Wilder. I, I love Deontay Wilder fights because they're exciting. You can't beat them. You know, when I met Deontay Wilder before, super cool guy, super cool guy, taking pictures with everybody and their mamas. Nice. <laughs> you know, he was great, great with the people. And he was, man, he knocks, he knocks people out. You got to like, I mean, he's hard not to watch. And uh, you got guys like that, always exciting. I like these, you know, just these real tough guys. You got Isaac Cruz. I really like him. You know, he's, he's the way he fights. He yeah. comes, 
he comes for it. You know, it's like he is what he is. And I kind of like that. I, I like the, the the realness of it. You know, he is what he is. And you can know you, you can know exactly what I'm going to do. And that's okay. Yeah. Pippo Pippo you know? was one of those guys that really pushed uh, Davis to the limits, man. Yeah. And Davis is outstanding. I mean, he's 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 incredibly outstanding and uh, he can fight. But he more than fight, he can punch, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, just to go back, we were talking about more people want to be talking and this and that. And I want to go back to the Caleb Benavides uh, press conference that happened recently. Uh, your thoughts on it? I thought it was kind of too much from Benavides and 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 Clan. Your thoughts? It was a it was it was too much. You know, Plant is who he is, and so none of it for really for him is kind of too much. He's just kind of like that. He's got the he's got that kind of a mouth. He can talk quick come back with all these good talk and he's always smooth and everything he does you know Caleb's always been a real one he is who he is he's 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 not a show kind of guy you know he's yeah. not doing it for show he is who he is I think Benavides was kind of staged on it to be honest with you I think it was a it just seemed a little bit too much you know he's kind of um like I said I got nothing against him I think yeah. that it was just a little bit over the top you know in in, in a way I think they should have toned it down a little bit at least yeah. but yeah trying to build a fight but I think they kind of overdid it yeah, I feel the same way. I felt that like when I was watching it, I almost felt like Caleb was kind of caught off guard a little bit in, in some instances with some of those comments and stuff. And I mean, yeah. mad respect to Caleb because he could have come out firing. But, you know, I think he started to near the end of that press conference. But for the most part, he held his composure. And, you know, it's kind of if you don't know who these guys are and what they're capable of and who these both these characters are, you would look at Benavides and if you're a casual person, that is, and then, what, what a dick. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. kind of like how can you how can you get behind this guy? And he's an amazing boxer. So it was kind of out of character to see Benavides be that guy. I don't know. That's well, just my view. I agree. He's trying to be more of a villain because he's trying to get these type of fights. And so it's like uh, Floyd tried to be loved by everybody and he couldn't do it. And so it become he became the villain and he became Money Mayweather. And yeah. so you we can't say that he made a bad decision because look at him. You know, of course he yeah. didn't um, financially. Um, Plant is he, he's it's it's extremely hard to hold your tongue in the in the situation that you're in right and right in the moment it's not like you get time to think about it or you get um you know you're 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 almost embarrassed you're in front of everybody they're doing all this right then in front of everybody it's going to be hard yeah. to deal with and he did it was incredible right that he's able to do that he kind of you know he had moments where he wants to pull away of course he does because he's a man I mean he's human right and uh, and he's a fighter naturally. You know, he wants to stand up for himself. Yeah. And but I think that it was a little bit over the top. I think that they're trying to uh, do the villain thing, right? Is what they're trying to do on that. That's just my personal opinion. Right, and uh, right. I see a lot more of that now than I ever did before. I see, uh, I see that side of it more. I guess the the staging side of it. So, do you think like WWE pro wrestling is you know kind of showing its head again in terms of promoting and what have you? Because I'm seeing that a lot with like mixed martial arts with like UFC. A lot of the promotions and stuff are kind of more, I don't know, staged and elaborate. And do you find the same thing kind of happening in boxing now, trying to get that showmanship out? Well, I don't think that they're necessarily the, the promoters are staging it. I think the fighters are trying to stage the it fighters. for themselves. The fighters yeah, for the themselves fighters is what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Some of them are trying to stage it for themselves to make it more interesting, to make themselves more interesting. Right, right, and right. To, uh, sorry. And to awesome. sell more pay-per-views and make more money for the fighters to get people talking about it. Of course. And so, yeah. I mean, of course, the promoter's not going to say nothing because if it is working, right? So the Conor McGregor's kind of style of doing things like he does it is kind of caught on. And so everybody wants to be part of it. And yeah. it, 
work that way all the time. And so uh, I think sometimes it's going to backfire because I think sometimes it just doesn't look good. It looks kind of, like you said, it makes you just kind of look bad. It makes you look the bad guy. And, uh, and if you can't back it up, it's no good. Yeah. How, how did you end up signing with PBC? Okay, so I was uh, I had gotten some contracts and stuff from people while I was fighting. Uh, I was sparring with a lot of pros, and uh, my dad never would turn me pro. He said, uh, when we get the right team, we'll do it, right? And so I was fighting in the amateurs. And I was at the 2013 Nationals. I had just uh, – so in the 2012 ringside World Championships, I beat George Cambosas and Kenneth Sims and won the, won the tournament. Oh. And I go into the 13 Nationals, and um, I end up fighting Joey Alde in the semifinals, and I thought I won the fight. I thought I thought I won the fight pretty simple. And I'd been, I had been on the wrong side of a lot of decisions in my life, and not as as in a sore loser type of decisions, you know. Like I, I've been, I felt like I had been a lot of bad decisions. And uh, after that fight, I told my dad I got out the ring, and uh, even the the USA coach at the time came and told me he thought I won. And so at the end of that fight, I got out the ring and I told my dad, I said, Hey, I'm not, I'm turning pro. Or I'm never fighting again. I'm not doing this anymore. You know, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. I had 128 amateur fights. This is it. Like it is what it is. And he said, okay. And so we went, we were always spawned with Ronnie, uh, with Danny O'Connor. And uh, Ronnie had told my dad, Hey, whenever you want to start to turn pro, let me know. I, I would like to train cowboy. And uh, if you need any help, I can help you out. And so we had been talking to golden boy and golden boy had a contract for us. And we were going to sign with golden boy. And uh, Robert Diaz mentioned to us uh, that we, hey, you know, when you do turn pro, uh, you ought to sign with Al Heyman as your manager. Because look what he's doing with Errol Spence. He's a great manager. He's doing great things. This is before PBC. Mm-hmm. And so dad talks to Ronnie about it. And Ronnie says, well, let's call Al right now. So Ronnie calls Al. And then Al calls us and says, hey, sign with me. And uh, I'll give you as good or a better deal than they're giving you right now and we'll get it all figured out so i'm thinking i'm still gonna sign with golden boy right so i signed with al as my manager fight my debut on the on golden boy card and my first two fights i believe are actually on golden boy cards and uh two or three and then pbc so i was you know i was never signed with any promoter and so i was just out Heyman from the beginning before pbc was around and uh yeah, it worked out great you know for, all from my dad taking me places that's awesome, man. What is Al Heyman like? How would you describe the man? Uh, honest. I describe him as honest, and uh, you know he he uh he seemed very kind. You know he's always been very kind. He's he's uh he's he's kind of the mystery man for boxing. He never yeah. Uh, you never see him. That's why I'm yeah, asking. Yeah. And so he's a mystery man for boxing, and so uh, but he's always been he's always been real. I guess I would say that it's funny because to say that because most people. Some people I even talk to tell me he's not even a real person. He's made he's made up. It's really Sam Watson. And you know, I've I've had people tell me that Al Heyman is really Sam Watson. And uh, you know, it's he's not, but uh uh he's real. He's 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 always been kind and he's uh he's extremely intelligent. He's he's just super smart, you know. He's uh you look at all the stuff he's worked with before boxing and, and all the stuff he does with boxing, and uh he's incredible. Um so we got some good fights coming up this year. I thought maybe we could just throw some of them out to you and see your thoughts and what you think. Uh, why don't we start with the heavyweights, uh, Fury versus Usyk? How do you see that playing out? I see Fury win. Uh, I, I like Fury. I'm a big fan of Usyk because of, of course, um, his mentality and the way he defies and he does like he, you know, he's he's just impressive. I'm trying to set this phone up again. 
Well, I don't know why I said that. He's impressive. I mean, he's his work ethic. He's coming up in weight. Yeah. Uh, he's fighting for his country. He's got like all these things for him. He's like the man of steel, essentially. And uh, but Fury's just too big. He's huge, yeah. and his boxing skills are unmatched. I think in in the heavyweight division. And Usyk would have the best boxing skill compared to him, I think, um, mainly because of size and athleticism um, and speed and things like that and his ability to stay to a game plan. Uh, but I don't see him beating Fury. I don't, I don't, I don't know how he could. I, I mean, I, he could. It's boxing. Anything is possible. I understand that. But I think it's a very slim chance he beats Fury. I think Fury beats him, and I think Fury ends up stopping him probably late just because of his size. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, Devin Haney, Lomachenko, hopefully this year as well. Your thoughts? Uh, two years ago, I would say Lomachenko. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. The size, the size and the age and life, um, everything has changed for him. And uh, circumstances, it, that are, situations that are out of their hands, um, like, you know, dealing with Ukraine and everything for Lomachenko and all this stuff with his family and all the stress of it. It's really going to age him, I think, a lot, even more so than he already looked. Mm-hmm. And I, I just I see Haney winning that fight and a decision, of course. Fair enough, fair enough. Chet? So we like to play a word association game. I'm going to throw some boxer names out and just tell me what you think about what comes to your head when I throw some random names out. You ready? Yeah. Uh, Manny Pacquiao. Uh, great and good legend, I guess. What I would think with him is, uh, you that that would be my first thought would be legend, yeah. Roy Jones Jr. Mm, roosters, <laughs> game roosters. <laughs> we had game roosters as a kid growing up. I heard lots of stories about Roy Jones at the rooster fights. I would think of roosters, and I would think of athleticism. If I had to put one <laughs> athleticism, he's just gifted, athletic as can be. He's fighting I- soon, right? Yeah, he's, he's fighting, fighting here. He's fighting Anthony Pettis. Yeah, that's Irish, right. Irish Mickey Ward. Heart. Blood and guts. Heart. Cornell Whitaker. Skills. Slick. Yeah. And one more. Floyd Money Mayweather. Money. I mean, really, I mean, but Floyd is just, just money to me and uh, the greatest. Uh, essentially, you know, he 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 made this whole big talk about it and made everybody hate him because he said it. But I mean I mean, what he's done is unheard of. He's he's the greatest financial mind in boxing ever. He's also uh, his record is intact, and and uh, he's beat so many champions. He's so you know in this time, and everybody can go back and say, "Well, Canelo fight him now." I mean, that's like ridiculous to you know try to say that. And yeah. uh, in time, I mean, he was unbelievable. And last one, your friend Caleb Plant. Caleb Plant. I'd I'd say the way he fights, he, he fights pretty. He fights pretty. He's he's slick. He fights pretty. That's what I would think of when I think of Caleb. Is he fights pretty? But after that left hook he landed last fight, I don't know how to feel about him. I'm gonna have to change categories with him after he starts. If he knocks people out like that again, he's, I'm gonna have to start calling saying something else about his fight. You know, uh, call him the nightmare or something. But uh, you know, Caleb is always he's like he always comes out of most fights looking like he did when he walked in. And for a light complected person, that's hard to do. <laughs> you know, I mark and, and speaking for me because I mark extremely easy. You know, I, I get my mom would always call it eyeshadow. I would get just right on top of my eyelids to get black right there or something. You know, and uh, call it eyeshadow. I would always mark really easy, and uh, cause I'm really fair. But Caleb is just like he's just so he's 
he's such a complete type of fighter. Is what it, the thing is, is that he's getting better. Is what's is what's odd. Is what people don't realize is happening. He's after the Canelo fight, losing to Canelo. The Canelo fight was the best thing that could have happened to Caleb Plant because of his mentality, and because now how hard he's going to push himself. So you're either going to quit or you're going to get better and work harder. And Caleb is he's not he's, he doesn't have any quit in. People don't think that of him because he's a pure boxer, you know, or he has been. He's, he's, his skills have paid the bills, you know, and he's he's great at it, his timing and everything. But uh, that loss to Canelo is going to just drive him to be greater and greater and greater. Do you see that rematch happening down the road at some point, or is that shift? I, actually, I do. I do see it happening because he's going to be – I think he's going to be Benavides, and I think that he's going to be in a real good contention for getting that rematch again. Probably 2024, though, right? The way it's shaping up right now, I think yeah. he's fighting. Yeah. I don't, I, I think yeah, he's got Bivol and he's got someone else on Cinco de Mayo. So I probably yeah. we won't see that one till early next no. year or something like that. All right. Yeah. What message do you have for aspiring young boys and girls that want to get into the sport? Um, what what message can you share with them that, that can possibly guide them or, or give them some sort of, you know, yeah. Well, of course, the first thing I would tell anybody, especially was to keep God first. And I said that a lot in my career and in my life, but I never really uh, acted on it. You know, I never did that myself. And so I was a hypocrite in that. And uh, but as far as boxing goes, I would say keep your chin down and uh, keep your knees bent. And remember to keep moving forward at all costs, because the only way you're going to fail is whenever you quit, when you stop, when you don't continue. And that doesn't mean just like, I don't mean to keep your chin down and, and, and keep moving forward just in the boxing sense, in the boxing ring. I mean that in everything, in every sense, in every sport you can ever play. And, um, and that, you know, quitting is forever. You know, that's, that's one thing I can guarantee is if you quit, you will never do it. Your dream that you have, if you quit, you will never succeed. That's the only promise you get from quitting Yeah, is that you will never do it. Yeah. You will never succeed. And you have to understand that before you do it because once you do it, it's too late. No, we completely agree and we're in the same boat here. We're in a different platform, but you know what? We, we're we working our asses off to, to kind of achieve our goal. So uh, right. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on and joining us today, uh, helping us reach our success. So thank you so much for that. Um, and, and again, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule from your family and everyone else that you could be around and enjoying right now, but sitting here with a couple of dudes. Uh, so for that, I really, really thank you and, and, and appreciate. All Ryan, thank you so much. That was very, very inspiring just to hear what you were saying about your faith and everything. I could feel the power coming through the screen. So thank you for your time. Your first class, much appreciated. Absolutely, uh, man. You've motivated us and uh, given us uh, I, I speak for Chance, you know, we both feel it. Like we both feel yeah. this energy that you're giving us. So thank you so much for that, Carl. Ryan Carl. Oh, man, I, I appreciate y'all having me on here and let me talk and, and uh just, you know, it, it's just it, it means a lot to me, you know, and I really do appreciate it a lot. And anytime I'd love to be back on here. Yeah, we would thank love you. to have you back on here. Maybe we can um, you know. Maybe we can get back on here together after the plant fight and, you know, kind of get your assessment on it and see where you're going and how we can help promote everything that you're taking on now as new challenges in your life. So we want to be able to support you just as much as you're supporting us. Oh, hey, I appreciate that, guys. And thank you. And uh, hope nothing but the best for y'all. Awesome. Thank, you, thank you so much. Take care and we'll talk soon. All right. God bless. Thanks. Thanks.